Well, it's good to have you here tonight, and we're going to go ahead and turn, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 17 here tonight, and I'm going to consider a thought between Bible study series on this thought, reasons for Bible study, and uh, again, I haven't really truly picked out a book as far as one to cover yet. Um, several books in consideration, some I've been pondering and thinking about for some time to do. Uh, again, just pray concerning uh, which book maybe to pick. I've thought about Genesis, long book, wonderful book, great book, book of beginnings. I've thought about the uh, first and second Thessalonians, great books dealing with a lot of different good subjects, including Bible prophecy. thought about the book of Romans. Uh, I've also been thinking about John, Joshua, first John. Second Peter, lots of different thoughts here. And uh, anyways, the, even the book of James. But again, I don't know where I want to go for sure on Wednesday nights yet. And so, again, if you pray for me uh, concerning the choice of a book, sometimes it's good to go through a little book, maybe again to give you some good thoughts from uh, maybe smaller books like First John, etc. But again, I love the book of Genesis, have been thinking about that for quite some time, maybe where I'm headed, but we'll find out here rather soon. But uh, I want to consider here tonight um, some thoughts on Bible study. Uh, there's some great reasons for Bible study, and so I want to consider some reasons here tonight, some biblical reasons for Bible study. That's why we cover books of the Bibles, that's why you should read through the books of the Bible. But uh, let's begin here in 2 Kings uh, chapter uh, 17, starting verse number 6, and we'll read most of the rest of the chapter. But let's begin here in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria, took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and Habor by the river Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. And they walked in the statues of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things which were not right, against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all the cities, from the Tower of the Watchmen to the fenced cities. And they set up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols. Therefore the Lord said unto them, You should not do this thing, Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from ye evil ways, keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by my servants the prophets, notwithstanding they would not hear, but hardened their neck like the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies that he had testified against them. And they fouled vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were about them and concerning whom the Lord had 
charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves and made a grove and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. And he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nabath the king, and, and, and Jeroboam drave the Israel from following the Lord and made them to sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them. Just want to stop there for a second. Those two verses, verse 21 and 22, let's talk about the powerful influence of one. I mean, just think of that. It mentions there the, that, that this Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them to sin a great sin. The children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they departed not from them. I mean, this wasn't just a temporary turning or temporary influence, but it was a long-lasting influence when it came to Israel. I'll move on. Verse 23, Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, and he had said by all the servants, the prophets, so Israel carried away out of all other land to the Syria unto this day. And the king of Assyria uh, brought men from Babylon from, uh, and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from uh, Sepharim uh, and, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed the Samaria and, and dwelt in the city so that it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which we have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry hither one of the priests, whom ye brought from hence, and let them go and dwell there, and let, them, let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests, whom he had carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt in Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Tonight I'd like to look at this thought why we should study the Bible, some Bible reasons for studying the Bible. Let's pray today. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight, and I just ask that you would just help us again to consider why we should study the Bible. Father, it's so needful that we do do it, and, uh, and, and we see in this passage, I believe, some reasons for it. We see throughout the Bible why, but uh, let's consider some thoughts and help us to consider them, contemplate them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we see here again with Israel and Judah, they certainly departed from God as they decide they're just going to do things contrary to the will of God and the way of God. And Israel fell first and Judah also fell after them. 
we see again as things continued on, Assyria took again control of basically Israel as far as the land concerned, sent some people there uh, to the land to oversee the land and take possession of the land. It mentions in verse number 25, so it was the beginning of the dwelling of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them that slew some of them. And so we see again some lions sent by the Lord to destroy some that had come to the land because they did not fear the God of the land and did not know the God of the land. Verse 26, it says, Therefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which we has removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he sent lions among them. And behold, they have slayed them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Now we know in a lot of countries around this world, knowing God is not certainly something that people know very much at all. In fact, if, if you would survey again the Middle East to a large degree, they would not know much about Jehovah at all. Many areas of this world, I mean in the Far East, the same way, they really don't know our God at all. But in this passage of Scripture, we see again the God of the land is not being known well it's certainly not being followed by many during this time. And so I want to mention here, first, to, first of all here tonight, is reasons why we should have Bible studies, book Bible studies, is so that we would truly know the God of the land. The God of all lands, the God of our land, America's land, and the lands around the world is the God Jehovah, and it's important that people know this God. In fact, in verse number 27, it says, But Rabshakeh said unto... Uh, verse, wrong chapter there, turned here, said, Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. How important is, so, it, it, is it that people know the God of the land? It's, it's so important that we see here in the Bible that uh, some have been sent over time to teach others about the manner of God of the land. A Bible-educated people is the best kind of a people. America needs some Bible-educated people that would go out and tell others about the God of the land. For us to survive or flourish, I believe, as a nation, we will need, again, more people to go out and teach people about the God of the land. The God of this land, more and more, is money. Small g, the God of this land is money. And I, I believe, again, there's a need for us to have a educated people that know about God, just like they did here. Verse number 28 says that one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Why should there be Bible study or why should there be the expounding of the Bible so that people would know the God of the Bible? You know, how, do, how much do people really know the Bible? Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9. How, how much do really people know the Bible? I mean, it's not a mean thing to say, but 
But what is the reality? I mean, it's like uh, many things today. What is the reality? How many people truly know the Bible? How, how well do they know the Bible? How easy it is for some people to be fooled by people that seemingly teach the Bible, but not really teaching the Bible, but the traditions of men. In 1 Samuel here, chapter 9, in verse number 19, there needs to be people like this priest, like you and like me, uh, going out to tell people about the Bible and about the God of the land, the God of all lands, the God that created all things. 1 Samuel chapter 9, picking up at verse number 19, the Bible says, And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am a seer. Go up before me unto the high places, for ye shall eat with me in a day, and tomorrow and I will be with thee, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. As for thine asses there were, that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite? of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the tribes of Af uh, of tri families of the tribe of Benjamin, wherefore then speakest thou to me? He goes on there and says, and, and Samuel took Saul and his servants and brought them into his parlor and made them to sit down in the chiefest of place among them that were bidden, and there were thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was by it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For unto this time hath it kept for thee since I said. And I bided the people, so Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place in the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the the top of the house, and they rose up early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called uh, Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul rose, and they went out both of them, he and, and Samuel brought. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said unto Saul, Bid the servant to pass on before thee, as he passed on. But stand thou still, that I may show thee the word of God. Now Saul was to assume the responsibility of being a king or a leader, and he was anointed by Samuel, but it was important that he would know the Bible to be able to lead the people of God. And so we see here in the Bible that Samuel spent a little bit of time with Saul there, conveying the word of God. It says there, verse 27, doesn't tell us really much about it, but it says, uh, but, but stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. It's important that people know the word of God. It's important that leaders know the word of God. It's important that judges know the word of God. It's important that just regular people know the word of God. And so one of the reasons for Bible studies that we might know the manner of God in the land, we might know the God Jehovah. So important was it to Samuel to convey some words to Saul. And so it's important that we know the Bible. 
Look at chapter 12, if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 12. That's why God sent prophets and priests and preachers and persons and, and, and all kinds of people down through history to convey the Bible. He's done, given writers and he's given, again, uh, different others' uh, abilities electronically now today to convey the Word of God through different means to, to get the Bible to people. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 14 for Samuel chapter 12, verse number 14. The teaching of people, the teaching of leaders, needs to come from the Word of God. Verse 14, if you fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against His commandments of the Lord, then shall ye, ye and, and the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Say, why is it important to know the, the word of the Lord so that we can obey it and so that we can be blessed by it? Samuel taught the Bible could be a blessing by following it and a curse by not following it. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Some may wonder why it may seem at times why, why America might be suffering here and there or other countries in the world are suffering here and there. I think a lot of it may be trained, tra uh, tra uh, you know, go back to basically, trace back to following the Bible or not following the Bible, not knowing the Bible or going contrary to the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 17, it says, And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and all the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of David, his father, and sought not to Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his fathers and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought Jehoshaphat presence, and he riches and honor. His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even uh, Benahiel and Obadiah and to Zechariah and to Nethanel and to Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them sent he Levites, names those names, Verse number nine, and they taught in Judah and the book of the law of the Lord with them and went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Under Jehoshaphat, we see people sent out to teach others about God in the Bible. So reasons for studying the Bible, first of all, that we might know the manner of the Lord. We might know what God would expect from us. We might know what God uh, what God is like, we might know the way of God in a general sense. Let's turn, if you would, back to Judges chapter 2, if you would. Why study the Bible? Second, let me say that, that we, we be not ignorant concerning what is in the Bible. I think there's a lot of ignorance concerning what is the Bible because people haven't even opened the scriptures to a large degree or they've maybe opened a book here and there or they've maybe read through the book of Matthew or started through the book of Genesis and they've read here and there and they just expect for the preacher to tell them the truth and them 
again, just to listen along and, and learn from them. And I get all that. That should be the way it could be and should be. But um, it's good for us to know for ourselves what the Bible says. And so the second reason to study the Bible is that we may not ignorant and we really know what the Bible does say. Judges chapter 2, verse number 7 to verse number 10. The Bible says that people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that the Lord did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance of the Timnatheres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gaish. And also all the generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works he had done for Israel. And all the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed after other gods. Now, I, I really, it's hard for me to comprehend or to understand how things could God like they did here in Judges chapter 2. You know, the generation of Joshua was a very faith-filled generation. The generation that went and conquered Canaan to a large degree was a very faith-filled generation. They followed, they followed again, I believe, the, the faith of Joshua, and they followed the faith of God. And uh, the Bible, if you were studying, we may study through someday through the book of Joshua, we could look at that generation there possibly, and again, I'm not saying this for sure, as being the Bible's greatest generation. You've heard about America's greatest generation was the World War I generation. It may be that the generation of Joshua and those that he led there was the greatest generation. And it should shock us to see, in verse number 10, these words. And there arose another generation after them that knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done. See, an apostate, lost generation. We see a blind generation. I believe we see an ignorant generation. You study the book of Judges, and we've studied through that, and we see it's a very carnal generation. People doing that which is right in their own eyes. Really doesn't matter what God would have them to do, but doing that would just write in their own eyes. Coupled with that, in verse number 11, it says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served Balaam. They just totally let loose on God. They left God. They didn't follow God. Verse 12, they forsook the Lord God their fathers, which brought them out of the land, and they followed the other gods, the gods of the people that round about them and bound themselves onto them, provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Did that bother God? It did. It says there, verse, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges to deliver them out of the hand of those that spoil. Yet they would not hearken to the judges, but went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked, obeying 
in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies. All the dangers of the judges for repent of the Lord because of their groanings by which reason they were oppressed and came to pass. When the judge was dead, then they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following the other gods, found their stubborn ways. Anger of the Lord was again, hot against Israel. Verse number 20. So you see, during the time of the judges, how did God feel about that generation that followed Joshua? The Bible says he was angry with them. He had time sent these deliverers, these judges that would help them of their oppression, hoping, again, I'm certain that he hoped that they would turn to God and not turn back to their idols. But you see, over and over again, they follow the judge for the while. Judges alive. They do well for a while, and soon they're back into idolatry, back into carnality, back into doing after the gods of the land. Little g, the gods of the land, G-O-D-S. The false gods of the land. Why do we need to study the Bible so we can learn some things from history? We can learn and not be ignorant concerning what can happen after a great generation. A great generation can be followed by a mediocre generation, rather easy. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. Let me encourage you to know the Bible yourself. I understand, again, you may have parents here, and they uh, would want you to know the Bible yourself. They'd want you to know as much of the Bible as you can take in and, and retain, etc. But again, when it comes to knowing the Bible, it's going to be on your part to know it, to get acquainted, well acquainted with it, so that you cannot be tricked or deceived or manipulated when it comes to the Scriptures, like many people are today. Matthew 19 and verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was finished with these saints, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and healed, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that? He which made them at the beginning made them male and female. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the twain or two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Verse 7. They said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of the hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, I bring you to this passage of Scripture not because of the issue necessary of divorce and marriage, but just the whole thought process of, of Jesus where he asked them, have you read? Have you read? 
It says there in verse number six, it says, Wherefore, they are no mere twain, but one flesh, what God hath put together, let no man put asunder. Verse number four, have ye not read? Haven't you read this? Why, why are you asking this question? You should know this. God's plan is one man, one woman, for life or until death do they part. Moses' plan was different. He allowed for divorcement. That doesn't mean that there's a wide open gate for divorcement. The key verse here is verse 4. It says there, Have you not read that which she hath made at the beginning, made he male and female? Again, we are encouraged to know from the Bible what the law says. Do you know what the law says back in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Do you know what Jesus says in the New Testament as far as the laws and commandments of God? What he says is right, what he says is wrong. We should know these things. Jesus says this here. Have you not read? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. Just forward here a little bit. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 42 and verse number 43. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 42. It says that Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures? Did you never read in the scripture that the stone which the builders rejected the same as become head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in your eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God should be taken from you and given to the nation that bringeth forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but, whoso, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind them in powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard the par his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The words of Jesus. Did you never read in the scriptures? Did you ever read this in the scriptures? What is he talking about? He's talking about reference to the book of Psalms. Didn't you read this? You should have read this. It's an inference that we should read this. Psalm 118, 22 says, The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Jesus believed that people should be Bible literate people. Not Bible ignorant, but Bible literate. They should know the Bible. No one should be able to come along and deceive them. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6. Jesus encouraged the Pharisees to know the Bible, to know the history of the Bible. At times they would ask him questions to try to trip him up concerning the Bible. And you'll have people even today try to trip you up in the Bible. Don't you know the Bible is full of contradictions? People will say that sometimes. And you'll say, hopefully, no, it's not. And then you should ask them, how much of the Bible have you ever read? That'd be a good question to ask some of those people that say, it's full of contradictions. And then just ask them simply, have you read? And just come up with some name of maybe a book that's not scriptural. And it's not even the book of the Bible. Just say, have you read the book of Hezekiah? Just say it like that. And they'll say, of course I have. I've read the book of Hezekiah. And then you can turn around and say to them, 
There is no book of Hezekiah. Again, when it comes to the reading of the Bible, we need to play Bible knowledgeable. I'm not saying to be mean, but look at what Jesus says here again in Luke chapter 6 and in verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto him, Why do you do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, uh, what David did when himself was hungered and they that were with him, how he went in the house of God and he did eat, take and eat of the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat before the priests alone? And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. I mean, if they had read their Bible, they wouldn't be looking at him and saying, oh, oh Jesus, you're doing, you're, you're doing something wrong. And so are your disciples. You're eating something you shouldn't be eating. They would know from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 21, that David was allowed to eat the bread, this holy bread, this show bread, and also those men with him because they were hungry. There's a reason for studying the Bible, and that's so that we're not ignorant concerning the Bible. Proverbs 19, verse number 2 says, that the soul be without knowledge is not good. That the soul be without knowledge is not good. Proverbs 19, verse 2. It's good for us to know the Bible. It's good for Christians to know the Bible. It's good for children to know the Bible. You say, why? Well, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It builds a foundation that can bring them to faith in Christ Jesus, to bring them to salvation in Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through verse number 18. A good dose of the scripture can bring that faith, which comes by hearing to that person who listens to the scripture or reads the scripture. First, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy, I, I told you 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse number 16 and verse number 17 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So all scripture is good for us. But look at verse number 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That we might not be ignorant that we might be able to come to the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of salvation. And so that's a good reason for studying the Bible. And then finally, if you turn back to 2 Kings chapter 17, the reasons for studying the Bible is that we may be able to teach someone else the scriptures. Hebrews talks about us being no longer uh, babes in Christ, but teachers that are able to teach the word of God. You see here in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 27, verse number 28, the Bible says, then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from thence, and let them go and dwell therein, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. And one of the priests 
whom they had carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. One of the priests. I don't know necessarily if it was one special one, but it could have been just really anyone, because the priests were to know the Bible. But the reasons that we should, again, study the Bible is so that we can be Bible-knowing Christians. Bible-knowing Christians. And be able to teach that to somebody else. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. No one should come to a Bible-believing Baptist who has been a Bible-believing Baptist for years and years and be able to come to them and say to them, you know, the Bible teaches salvation by works. No one should be able to come to you and say to you, you know, the Bible teaches you salvation by works. Someone says, well, why shouldn't it be able to, be able to do that? Because the Bible doesn't teach salvation by works. It teaches salvation by grace. And they come to you and say, well, salvation's this way. Or they t- tell you, no, the Bible teaches this and it's contrary to the word of God. You should be able to teach them and, and tell them and show them from the scriptures what the Bible does say. Look at this verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You ready to give an answer? Can you give an answer? Can I give an answer? Why we study the Bible so you can give an answer to people that might need an answer. Let's turn to Acts chapter 18. What if someone's a bit off? What if you run into someone and maybe they're saved or maybe they're not saved and and they're saying something or maybe they're teaching something. Maybe they're holding their own Bible study here in town or say maybe somewhere around here and they're teaching people this, that, or the other thing and maybe you sit on in one of their sessions and they're teaching something and all of a sudden you go, whoa, that's, that's a bit off. What should you do in that situation? Well, if you're a Bible-knowing Baptist believer, you should, try to, you should be able to come along and teach them in meekness and fear, as it mentions here in 1 Peter, the Word of God, just as Apollos was taught. Notice here, we pick up here in Acts chapter 18, verse 24, and a certain of the Jews, named Apollos, born of Alexander, was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who... When he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. And he mightily convinced the Jews, and publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was a Christ. There's no doubt that Apollos was helped. In verse number 26, by Aquila and Priscilla. And they expounded on him the word of God more perfectly. They helped him along spiritually. They helped him maybe where he was off a bit when it comes to the teaching of the word of God. And it shows as a result of that, 
uh, good fruit that followed there. It says there, and he, that's speaking of Apollos there, he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was a Christ. He taught, the Bible says there, on the baptism of John. He knew about some stuff, but we didn't know really enough stuff. And so some friends, if you would, some Christians, some Bible-believing Baptists of sorts, some Christians there, came along and taught in the Word of God more perfectly. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Someone might say, well, what should I be doing as, as we continue to uh, grow in, in the Lord? How, how can I grow in the Lord? Well, I believe part of your help in growing in the Lord is by seeking to, to know the Bible yourself, for yourself being able to know it well enough that you could probably talk to somebody else about it pretty easily or at least write about it pretty easily or respond maybe to what they say fairly easily depending on the question or the situation. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 13, it says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exercise, to doctrine. Verse 16, Take heed to thyself, and on the doctrine continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and then hear thee. So Paul writes there to Timothy, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading. We should give attendance or attention to reading, that we might know the Bible, that we can save. The Bible says there in verse number 16, save ourselves and others. And so it's good for us to know the Bible. We know the world, Word of God so that we can teach it. That's why, again, it's important, I believe, that most people, I'm not saying all people, maybe you take notes, just like you would in school. You take notes, maybe during a service or a Bible study situation, whatever it might be, so maybe you can convey those uh, things to somebody else. Maybe you write down a few verses from a sermon or from uh, an instruction situation. Let's turn to Titus chapter 1 there, just going forward here. The book of Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse number 9. The Bible says, Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially them of the circumcision. But we're taught so that we can, by sound doctrine, exhort and convince others. What should we know when it comes to the Bible? I'm going to close with some thoughts here. What should we know when it comes to the Bible? We should know the books of the Bible. Are you familiar with the books of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament? I'm not saying you have to memorize them, but it's a good thing maybe to memorize them so you can get to them and, and see where they are, etc. But memorizing the Bible is a good thing when it comes to knowledge of the Bible. Do you know any key verses when it comes to even issues today? Just regular political issues. Not that you need to know them, but when it comes to abortion, do you have any idea why you would be for abortion or against abortion? Again, when it comes to the death penalty, do you, I'm for the death penalty, someone might say. No, I'm against the death penalty. I'm a Christian, I'm against it. I'm a Christian, I'm for it. 
Are there any verses that would tell us one way or another? I'm for salvation by grace and works. Oh, good for you, brother, so to speak, someone might say. You're a Christian. You believe in salvation by grace and works. Well, I'm a Christian too, and I believe in salvation by grace alone. Well, you're both right. No, we're not both right. Someone's right and somebody's wrong. Are there any key verses that would expose these issues? You can go on and on with a number of different things when it comes to the doctrines of the Bible. And so, in general, do you know the locations of some key verses? Have you written in your Bible some notes here and there, maybe, that would help you to defend your faith and the Bible's faith? You say you believe in creation. Millions of years? Thousands of years? Seven days? Six days? What's your idea when it comes to creation? Well, there's a lot of variants there. No, the Bible would teach us certain things there. We should know those verses that teach these things. Let's turn back to 2 Kings chapter 17. The reason for the studying of the Scriptures, the reason for the spreading of the Scriptures is so that people would have a knowledge of God that knowledge of God would bring them to salvation, that knowledge of God would help them to defend the Bible's faith. 2 Kings chapter 17, 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 27, and verse number 28, it says, Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests, whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. We need to have some folks that are willing and ready to be able to teach others the word of God. Not to be puffed up with knowledge, but knowledge that they can help someone along spiritually. Teach others also. That's why we have ministry, and that's why we have Bible study, and that's why we study through the books of the Bible. So you can read through the whole book of the Bible and know what the Bible does teach.